Hey, time for you to reach your full potential. Getting into health and fitness, this is what you're missing. Going hard, I push you to the limit. Go on a journey with genetics coach Laura Phillips. Yeah, yeah, here to take you to the next level. Been in the health and fitness industry since 07. Working with so many athletes. Push it to the limit with world champions, yeah, and some Paralympians. Hey, working from Brisbane to Singapore. We train, we going hard. All out, we keep it raw. Laura Phillips, let's go. In this week's episode of Real Talk, I get really real about the difference between living at 32% body fat and 20% body fat. Uh, more specifically, talking about body fat percentage of women, typically the healthy range is going to be up to 30%. Uh, that's just what we see from chart to chart and graph to graph. This is just an average. And look, no shade and no judgment if you're at 30 35, 40. I've worked with people who are even over 50% body fat. It's not an opportunity to judge. It's just an opportunity to highlight the mind shifts you can create to get to where you want to be. Because the way that you have thought about health, fitness, nutrition in yourself has gotten you to this point, though the efficacy of that thinking is going to run out at some point. So the expiration date is, well, let's just say there is one. And a lot of people don't realize that. If you want to create different changes to your body, shifts in your body fat percentage, you're going to have to start thinking differently too. I put together a post which performed really, really well. And so I thought I'd go a little bit more in depth and offer a live training on this. So this audio is from a live training I did showcasing the profound differences of how people think when they're at 32% body fat versus how they think at 20 or below. And I myself have actually been both. I have been less, I'm currently less than 20, and I have been much, much closer to 30, if not slightly above uh, some time ago, I would say over 12 years ago now. So I do understand the differences when it comes to being in that body, being in that headspace, your relationship with yourself at both ends of that spectrum. And there are really big differences. People don't talk enough about this. People think it's just calories, caloric deficit, and exercise. And what underpins all of that are your thoughts. Those six inches between your ears are the most precious and valuable real estate. If you're not taking care of it, if you're not prioritizing it, then you shouldn't expect anything else to change in any arena of life. I hope you enjoy. Please be sure to find the post itself on social media. Just scroll through and you'll see the carousel. Any major takeaways, I want to know about it. And of course, please feel free to share any suggestions you have for future topics. Enjoy. Hi, thank you for being here. Just a few things off. We are talking about how you can shift your thoughts so you can go from being 30% body fat to 20% body fat and more importantly to keep that weight off because there's no shortage of people who have lost weight and put it back on we've all been there done that we all have friends who have lost 10 kilos put on 12 lost 10 put on 15 who have yo-yoed all throughout their lives and I personally have lost and kept off 15 kilos and about 16% body fat so this was inspired by a recent post I put onto Instagram. If you haven't seen it yet, make sure you scroll through. It's on the second or third line. It's quite a recent one. 
where I talk about how everyone wants a 20% body fat body, but is operating with a 32% body fat mindset. And that's cool. Each to their own, no judgment. Your body is unique and special. And again, like it's not for me to judge. I don't, I'm not attached to another person's physique, appearance, body composition. It's none of my business. I help my clients lose weight, recomposition, because that's their goals. And when that goal is set from a healthy place where a person's self-worth is not attached to those numbers, then I am completely on board in helping that person. Losing weight can allow you to have more energy, can allow you to keep up with the children who are growing and keep you on your toes. It can allow you to do amazing things such as hike mountains, go exploring, enjoy the world, uh, put suitcases in overhead compartments, put heavy suitcases on conveyor belts, put them in the back of a taxi, take them out of a taxi, stop being so achy and sore and fatigued and tired all the time. There can be benefits. I'm not here to push a certain number or a certain appearance or a certain physique. Again, it's not for me to judge how another person looks. I'm not here to say that 20% body fat is better than 32%. If we're only using body fat as a marker for health, then arguably, yes, 20% is better. If we're talking about females up until the age of 40. But you have to bear in mind, a lot of people stress themselves out so much that in fact they would be healthier being 25% and happier and less stressed than trying to get to 20% just for the sake of getting to 20% to prove to themselves that they can get to 20%. So when we talk about health, we really have to understand the bigger picture here. And numbers are not the be all and end all. Again, especially if trying to reach a certain number or metric is stressing you out to the point that you're kind of getting diminishing returns on any effort to try and lose another percent body fat, right? And a lot of people don't want to live like that. And again, that's why sometimes we need to have a reality check with ourselves. Do you want to live like a person who's 20%? You probably don't because that means you're going to have to say no to alcohol a lot more. It means you're going to have to say no to the cheese board a lot more. It means you're going to have to be 85, 90% adherent to your meal plan. You're going to have to eat most of your meals either pre-prepared from a meal prep company or pre-prepared by a helper, or made by yourself. And a lot of people don't want to do that, or don't have the bandwidth for that, or don't want to use their spare time to do that. And fair to them. It's not for me to judge. Uh, so going into this conversation, it's really, really, really important to me that you understand that. Because we can be really quick to say in health and fitness that this is better than this, or this is better than that. And we're very quick to forget context and nuance. So understand what your context is. Understand what the nuance of your context and situation is. And get a sense of what feels good and feels right for you. Also factoring in how you want to live. Because the busier you are, the more children you have, the more you spread yourself, the less bandwidth you are going to have for your health and well-being. So again, if you're already stretched quite thin and you want to lose 5-10% body fat, where is that energy, time, and effort, and bandwidth going to come from? You have to ask yourself that. You have to have the real, real, real conversation with yourself about where that's going to come from. And if you don't have an answer, then chances are you're just going to stress yourself out more trying to get there. And then is it worth it? Perhaps not. So 
I really appreciate how well that post performed. I felt inspired to do a live training on it because it seemed to be a really popular post. And I'm going to share some of my observations. So you can read this for yourself if you just go into Instagram, just scroll down. It's a Twitter style post um, carousel. So we can just scroll through. So everyone wants a 20% body fat uh, body, but is operating with a 32% uh, body fat mindset. Here are seven shifts that took me to less than 20% body fat. And I'm showing that so that you can understand what those shifts are. So a person who is 30, now we're talking about females again, the body fat uh, percentage and quote unquote healthy ranges differ between men and women. Typically women need about 10% more body fat than men, largely for reproductive purposes. So all of this is in reference to the metrics that we suggest for women. If you're a man, then the upper end of the quote unquote healthy range is going to be more like 20%, okay? So if you're a male who's 20% body fat or if you're a female who's 30% body fat, chances are you have a bit of a habit of saying, I don't have time to work out or diet. And a person who is 10% less than that will say to themselves, I take fewer sick days and have more energy when I prioritize nutrition and training. So I always find it really interesting when people say that they don't have time to do things, when they spend an awful lot of time on their phone, scrolling through social media, when they spend an awful lot amount of time online shopping, when they spend an awful lot of time um, just not being intentional with their time, in fact. They have a lot of unintentional time throughout their day, where they're being reactive instead of proactive, where they're frantically replying to messages and emails and incoming communication from here, there, and everywhere. And of course, you can't plan anything, let alone a meal plan or meal prep, if you're in a constant state of reacting. So a person who is going to have that leaner physique is more likely than not a person who is able to block off chunks of time during their day and be very intentional with their time. So they're not just meal prepping. They're saying, okay, my plan for this morning is X, Y, and Z. I want to achieve A, B, and C by 10 a.m. today, by lunch today, by 3 p.m. today, by 6 p.m. today. So they're constantly planning and prioritizing and recalibrating. If something comes up, they're able to switch different things in their schedule to make sure everything still gets done. So again, it's being more intentional with time, not just going, oh, here's a message, let me reply. Oh, here's TikTok. Let me scroll through TikTok. Here's Instagram. Let me look at the next thing that this person posted. It's going, what do I want to get out of how I use my time today? How is that going to better myself? How is that going to better my health? How can I make that a benefit to me? Knowing I only have so much time and I only have so much bandwidth and I only have so much energy, how can I do something effective with that? I personally meal prep. It's typically Friday and Saturday. I will have my meals cooked and I do it all in less than 90 minutes. My meal prep is dead simple. I've finessed the system. I've come up with great formulas and formulations that work and it lasts me for the whole week. So that's not a lot of time. One and a half hours out of my whole entire week then buys me back every breakfast, lunch, and dinner for the next seven to 10 days. I think 
that's a pretty good return on those 90 minutes. You don't get a return on the hour of scrolling through social media. You don't get a return on those four hours on a Friday night where you're just drinking alcohol and eating cheese boards with your friends. Don't get me wrong. That might be nice. It might be fun. It might be enjoyable. And that might be good for your social health. But what do you get out of that in terms of a return? Is that giving you a return on your physical health? Is that giving you a return on your mental health? Um, you know, we know alcohol is a depressant. As a drug, it's a depressant. So that's not good. It interferes with your sleep. You're going to give yourself social jet lag because your body can only adjust two hours at most every 24 hours, meaning if you go to bed more than two hours later than your normal bedtime, any given day of the week, you are giving yourself social jet lag. So if you go to bed four, five, six hours later than your normal bedtime, you are then going to take at least three, if not six days to go back into your normal sleep routine and sleep cycle and circadian rhythms, by which point it's almost Friday night, Saturday night again, and you're about to do it all over again and fuck up your circadian rhythms and interfere with your zeitgeber um, systems and put yourself on the back burner and put your health on the back burner, put your nutrition on the back burner just so you can have fun with your friends. You know, again, it just comes back to being intentional and being deliberate. And I think a lot of people go out on the weekends not to have fun per se, but to escape their nine to five. Instead of trying to escape your nine to five, maybe you should just get a different job. And I know it sounds really easy to say that, just get another job. Yeah, like it's so simple. I too am on an EP here. I too have to think about visas. I also have to think about what I'm going to do every two years when my visa runs out. It's easy to say, but it's really important I point out these vicious cycles and patterns of behavior to people because otherwise people are never going to get it. Okay, if you're in a constant state of escaping, kind of just wasting your life. Okay, you're just existing. You're not living. You're just existing. And in which case, you know what? Like, you can fuck right off. Because the chances of being born a human are 400 trillion T, with a T, trillion to one. So, are you really honoring the privilege of being alive if you're in a constant state of escaping your nine to five? I would say no. So, that's my biggest takeaway there and the biggest thing I want to highlight there is people who are leaner and able to keep weight off and keep fat off are more intentional with their time are they spending four hours every Friday night six hours eight hours every Friday night every Saturday night out with friends escaping the nine to five and drinking for the sake of it eating food in front of them because like fuck it FOMO uh, or are they putting 90 minutes in their schedule each week to either order food from a meal prep service, to cook their own food, to go through recipes so they can ask their helper to create, to grocery shop. Again, choose your battles, right? Choose your battles. And the body does really well when it has consistency. The body does not do so well when you treat your body well for five days of the week and then you abuse the hell out of it for like two. Your body is not going to change very quickly. If you're treating it well, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, up until Friday evening, Friday and then Saturday, you kind of abuse it. Even Sunday, maybe you abuse it, you have a Sunday sesh. Of course, it's going to be slow because then you're only making progress or you're only being consistent for four or five days of the week. Four or five days of the week is not this like barely more than half, okay? 
again, this is just one of my observations. So point number one, uh, prioritize what's important to you. Pick your battles. Be deliberate with your time. People who are leaner than you make time to prioritize their health because they take fewer sick days when they do that. They enjoy feeling better. They enjoy having more energy. They enjoy being in a nice cycle of good sleep. And that allows you to shift fat a lot faster than any quote-unquote detox tea or fat diet. <laughs> Point number two. So a person who is 32% body fat or if you're a male, 22% body fat or above is focused on the number on the scales and loses their shit the moment they see that they've gained weight. So you're focused on the outcome, focused on the number and just the number. A person who is 10% less body fat measures consistency and consistency when it comes to patterns of behavior. So we're talking about how many steps you get each day, how much water you drink each day on average, how much time you spend being active. So not just walking around, but how much time do you actually spend deliberately elevating your heart rate each day. Uh, something such as sleep, heart rate variability, girth measurements, using a tape measure, measuring your neck, measuring your waist, measuring your hips, measuring your arms and thighs, above the chest, below the chest, and photos, because photos, you know, photos, photos are pretty good. Uh, they're a very useful indication of how the body is appearing differently when we start to see change. So what I'm tapping into here is the fact that a person who is really in this for the long run, who really wants to create lifestyle change, is focusing on changing their behaviors and building healthy habits. Because we can't lose the 10th kilogram before we've lost the first. We can't lose the first kilogram before we've lost 500 grams. How do we do that? It's not by magic. It's not by eating one salad once. It's not by getting 1.5 grams of protein per body weight per kilo of body weight per day once. It's not because you drank three liters of water one day once. It's because you're working on a few different things from a few different angles. And what I like to start with, with the people I work with, is focus on a nutrition habit, whether it's drinking more water, eating more veg, getting more protein. That's usually where I start is protein. So again, trying to get one and a half grams of protein per kilogram of what you weigh every single day. As an example, if you weigh 60 kilograms, what that looks like is 90 grams of protein a day. Not 90 grams of chicken breast, because that's about 27 grams of actual protein, but 90 actual grams of protein per day. That's usually where I start with people when it comes to nutrition, because most people want to build strength and lose body fat, and that's going to make the biggest, biggest, hands down, biggest difference when it comes to how you eat. Because protein is so satiating, when you fill up on protein, you have less of an appetite for the other things. You have less room in your diet for the fast food, for the sweets, for the high fat fried food. You just don't feel like it because you're full. Um, and why are you full? Because you filled up on protein and protein is very satiating. It goes further down the digestive tract before it gets broken up. That's part of the reason why it's so satiating. So I suggest people have a nutrition related goal first. I then suggest people have a movement slash activity related goal. What does that look like? Really depends. For most people who have corporate jobs, office jobs, they sit a lot. My usual go-to goal for them when it comes to activity and movement is increasing their step count. If they can't increase their step count, then I look to see that they're increasing time spent standing. Uh, the Apple Watch is great for that because it gives you total amount of time 
standing on your feet and it will even prompt you to stand if you've been seated for too long. Thankfully, my watch has only told me that twice and one time I was at the dentist. So I'm going to say that's not very fair. Um, <laughs> I'm sure some of the other activity monitors do the same thing where they prompt you to stand. They're aware of what you've been seated. And I found that to be really helpful. So if it's not so practical for you to be walking more often and if you're busy in back-to-back -back meetings all day, it may not be so feasible to get steps in. Uh, you might be able to go for a walk before work or a walk after, maybe a mid-time meeting where you walk with a colleague, maybe just, you know, put your hat on, go for a walk outside and have like a quick little chit-chat. But Outside of that, try and be on your feet more. So on average, I stand for 17 hours a day. And my step count, honestly, is not always 10,000. I'm probably a lot closer to eight and a half uh, on average. So when it comes to movement, go-to goals would either be to get more steps. Now, if you have a corporate job, you're probably not even getting three and a half thousand steps a day, okay? And that's just, that's hardly anything. That's barely a kilometer uh, I think 2,000 steps, uh, maybe 1,500, 2,000 steps for me is about a kilometer. So that would barely be two kilometers. Yeah. My goal is usually to increase by 25%. And that's usually an eight to 12 week goal. So again, currently, if you're getting 3,500 steps, then I'm going to look to see you get closer to 5,000 in the next eight weeks, if not before then. And then we increase by 25% again and 25% again. And we always get to a number that we're able to sustain on a regular basis. Where you're hitting that number five times a week, okay? Maybe weekends are a little bit different. Maybe weekends are easier. You might go for a walk out Mount Faber or Bikatima or McRitchie. Perhaps you go for a longer walk on weekends. I know a lot of people do that. Some people go for cycles on the weekend. They ride their bikes. So that's where I look to get to. And again... If steps is not so feasible, then I want you to be standing because on average, your heart rate is working at 20 beats per minute faster when you're standing versus seated. So if my resting heart rate is 50, let's say, and if I'm standing, then my heart rate is going to go to about 75, okay? So the benefit of that is you're challenging your heart. Your heart is a muscle. It needs to be worked. And that's how we keep muscles working well is by working them. You know, it's a little bit of a, a catch-22 situation there. So um, from there, I usually go to a third goal, which is going to be mindset headspace related. That could look like 15 minutes of journaling each day. It could look like using the Reflect app on the Apple Watch. It could be the breathing app on the Apple Watch. It could be using a YouTube video or an app on your phone, which you can breathe in time to. I like Tide. T-I-D-E. I have that app on my phone. I think it's great. It has different meditations. Uh, you can do breath work with it. You can listen to relaxing sounds. I sometimes listen to it on the way home from work. I find it to be really, really, really helpful, but it can look different for different people. So first goal is going to be nutrition related and usually I go to protein for that 1.5 grams of protein per kilogram body weight per day every single day irrespective of whether you train or not does not matter the second goal is going to be movement related for most people increasing your step count or amount of time spent on your feet standing and that's also going to benefit your back if you have a lower back issue and your back is chronically tight sore 
stiff shoulders, stiff neck. Being on your feet just allows you to move a little bit more freely um, and express with your arms a little bit more. So your arms are not just going to be fixed in that stuck position where your shoulders are under your ears and your hands are like just lurking over the keyboard and your jaw is really clenched tight and you've stopped breathing. You know the position. If you're hearing me on the podcast, you know the position. So that's what I love about being able to stand and move around a lot more. And the third goal is going to be related to headspace. So again, meditation, journaling, breathing, connecting with your own thoughts, um, connecting with your internal dialogue, challenging your internal dialogue, asking yourself what the origin of that uh, belief system is, all that stuff. We need to do that a lot more. People who are leaner than you, who are able to keep that body fat off, have a better understanding of their thoughts and the origin of those thoughts and how to use those thoughts to their advantage in most cases, okay? Now, just like with everything, there are healthy versions of 32% body fat. There are unhealthy versions of 20% body fat. There are healthy versions of 15% body fat. Yes, for females too. And unhealthy versions of 15% body fat. It's all context. It's all nuance. It's all a self-awareness game. So if you have no self-awareness, it's going to be pretty hard to help you. <laughs> what can I say? It's going to be really hard to lose weight and keep it off. If you're not aware of your thoughts and your self-sabotaging cycles of behavior, <clears throat> it's going to be really challenging. Moving on to the next slide. So someone who is 32% body fat, or if you're a male, 20, 22% body fat, is, um, fluctuates between an all or nothing approach. They fluctuate between extremes, constantly riddled with shiny object syndrome, always looking for the next in vogue diet to follow i think we're still currently on keto but i just can't wait for the next thing to come out long jokes uh and they're only able to commit themselves to anything for 30 days maybe 60 at a stretch but that's kind of it whereas a person who is 10 percent less body fat so 20 percent if you're a female or you know closer to 10 percent if you're a male or under is consistently consistent in eating foods that they enjoy and exercising in a sustainable way. This is where people are just completely missing it. No one is looking for a way to incorporate foods they like um, into the way that they eat. We, for whatever reason, think we need to deprive ourselves in order to eat well and to lose weight. You don't need to deprive yourself, okay? A lot of you will know I love dark chocolate. I have two squares of dark chocolate every single day. And that for me feels like a good amount. I enjoy it. I savor it. I'm present in that moment. And like, I'm, I'm still pretty lean. You know, I'm still achieving my fitness goals. I'm still quote unquote nutritionally on point with everything else. I enjoy my dark chocolate. I enjoy my chicken. I enjoy my pasta. I have, I have carbs. You should be eating carbs if you want to build strength. I'm not afraid of carbs. I don't have phobias of different food groups or food types. And I exercise in a way that feels good for me. Okay. We have a tendency to think that this should not be enjoyable and that this should feel hard and punishing. Now, don't get me wrong. You're going to have to exert yourself. It's, it's not easy to get to a point where you can back squat your own body weight and deadlift your body weight and bench press your body weight and so on and so forth. It's, it's not easy, but there should be elements of it being fun throughout that journey of getting there. There should be moments where you're like, ah, oh, that's cool that I did that. I, I like that I got to see myself do that today. Or, you know, I like that I eyeballed the chicken breast that I was about to eat and then I weighed it. And when I eyeballed it, I weighed, 
you know, it looked like 90 grams. And when I weighed it, it was 95 grams, you know, like it's kind of fun to see yourself build those skills. Uh, when you turn up to the gym and you really don't feel like it because you've had a stressful morning and your children have been sick and you've got a report due and it's raining and you've got your umbrella, but you still turned up to training and you still did something. There's going to be things to overcome. Absolutely. It's unavoidable. But at the same time, it shouldn't always feel like strenuous, arduous, punishing work where you're having to force yourself to do everything and force yourself to avoid things you enjoy. It should not be uh, an opportunity to deprive yourself, is what I'm trying to say, at least not long term. Now, initially, you may need to come cut back on some things. You might need to refine your process. You might need to gradually reintroduce different foods. The journey is different for everyone. But again, you're not going to sustain anything that feels super boring, strenuous, unfun, and stressful, especially if that's how you always feel towards it. Okay. There are ways to eat in a healthy, sustainable way where you get to eat foods that you like. It's true. I mean, if you haven't discovered that yet, you haven't worked with the right person. And the same when it comes to movement. So that's something worth factoring in. When you enjoy something, you're more inclined to do it. If you don't enjoy it, the chance of you sticking to it are pretty damn small. So enjoyment is really key. Enjoying the process, reflecting on how far you've come, working with a coach who can guide you along the way, who can point out things that you've achieved and remind you of the progress that you're creating and seeing, remind you of what you're working towards. Have conversations about goals, what you're looking to lift by the end of the year. I'm having conversations with my clients right now about what weights I think they'll be able to lift by the end of the year, about what their body composition will be towards the end of the year, how we get them on track, how we keep them on track, how we stay there. When you buy into the process, everything else falls into place. But if you're just going to try the next one paltrow diet, then good luck to you. Nothing is going to stick. Nothing's going to change. Because again, that is not coming from a place of being connected to you. It's not factoring what you enjoy. It's you trying to copy someone else or what Vogue magazine says you should eat, which is, again, it's not individualized enough to you and your circumstances and what you need in terms of nourishment and movement. Someone going on to the next slide. So a person who is a female who is 32% body fat, or if you're a male, if you're closer to 20, 22% body fat, is easily influenced by friends, family, and colleagues in trying to choose, uh, sorry, in choosing foods and approaches to exercise that please them. So making choices based on what those people feel comfortable with. How many times have you been to a dinner party or a work event? or even going home for Christmas. I mean, that's just something true for me when you go home for Christmas and you end up eating food that's in front of you because it's socially acceptable to eat that food. Or you end up drinking in volumes that are socially acceptable or you drink just because everybody else is drinking. This is so common. And the truth is a person who is leaner than you, a person who is 10% less body fat, so a female who's 20% or less, a male who's 10% or less body fat, the way they make food and fitness decisions is based on their intrinsic desire and never justifying their choices to those around them. So I don't drink alcohol. 
that's not something I have to explain to you. And that is true. That's not just an example. That's true. I actually, I do not drink alcohol. I am wondering when the Australian government will ask me for my passport back because every other person in Australia is an alcoholic. But, you know, they've let me keep it for now, which is nice. I come across this a lot where people have social events and they're like, Laura, how do I eat? I'm like, well, how do you want to eat? A lot of people can't answer that for you because the moment a person eats something that's a little higher in fat or a little more sweet, a little higher in sugar, they feel guilty. Then they go to the opposite end of the spectrum and they start to punish themselves by only eating lettuce leaves for a week and completely depriving themselves, which goes back to my previous point of people operating in all or nothing extremes. And this is why people don't create consistency. And without consistency, you can't get anywhere. You can't make progress. So when you connect with yourself, when you understand your goals, why you're trying to achieve them and why they're important to you, and you're connected with how you need to eat and how you need to exercise and how you need to think in order to get there, then the rest just falls into place. You have to have a lot of not just self-belief, but conviction and a lot of connection with yourself in order to do that. If you're very heavily swayed by the opinions of others, it's probably because you don't have much of an opinion about yourself. That's just what I've observed. If you don't have much of an opinion about yourself, then you'll seek external validation. Sometimes the way that we get external validation is by making other people happy by eating foods that they're eating and by drinking things that they're drinking, drinking the way that they're drinking, as in like copious amounts, and even to the point of passing out sometimes. My point being, you can't get leaner if you're always going to eat and drink the way that other people want you to, just to make them happy. At the end of the day, there's always going to be a reason for a person not to like you, and you have to be okay with that. You are not here to please people. You are here to be the best version of you. You cannot be the best version of you if you're not being you because you're being a person that pleases other people. I mean, that just that just makes sense, right? So if you want to lose body fat and keep it off, you have to be able to go to dinner parties, lunches, networking events, go home for Christmas, go home for Thanksgiving, whatever the occasion may be, and eat in a way and drink in a way that is aligned with your goals. And sometimes that means saying no to foods and drinks, knowing that people are not going to be okay with it. You have to be okay with other people not being okay with it. You have to build up the capacity to sit in that discomfort, knowing that other people are not okay with the fact that you're not drinking and yet continue to not drink. That is the only way to move forward. If you're a person of that nature, I have been told that I'm boring because I don't drink. My own mother has told me that I'm boring because I don't drink. Guess what? That's her problem. And I'm cool with that. She can think what she wants. I have people who I'm sure think I'm boring because I don't eat like them. I do not want to share a cake, a slice of cake with my mother when she's in town. She would love to share a slice of cake with me. I have no fucking interest in sharing a slice of cake with her. That's just the difference between us. And that is out of alignment with me and my goals. If it were my birthday, it might be different. If it were her birthday, it might be different. But in general, that's just not me. So I am very okay with telling her that. But most people are not. At the end of the day, it's not your job to make someone else feel comfortable with you. If another person does not feel comfortable with you, chances are that's a them problem, especially when it comes down to how you drink and you eat 
that is a personal choice that should come from you and should be aligned with your goals and where you're taking your health and fitness. You don't owe anyone an explanation, okay? Moving on to the next slide. A person who is 32% body fat, or if you're a male, a male who is 20, 22% body fat, is attached to the outcome of every workout and uses exercise as a form of punishment. Yeah, I can relate to this one just a little bit. Whereas a person who is 20% body fat, or a, uh, a male who is close to 10% body fat, is um, going to enjoy the journey of training and use it as a celebration of what the body can achieve. I just want to come back to this for two seconds. We've just had someone comment. So basically, no drinks for the games, referring to the previous post. Look, the problem, one of the problems with alcohol when it comes to trying to create muscle and get leaner, it's not just the fact that it's empty calories. Yes, alcohol is seven calories per gram. Uh, fat is nine, carbs are four, protein is four. It's not just that, it's the fact that it interferes with how the body metabolizes foods because the body labels alcohol as a poison. Even if you have a really quote-unquote healthy meal and you might have a steak and vegetables and that can be very high protein, high iron, high in micronutrients, meaning vitamins and minerals, that could be a really great meal. But if you have that with alcohol, your body then goes putting everything on high alert. It puts on the, the siren, the alarms, and sends its signal going, OMG, poison, get the poison out. And that makes it really hard for your body to do anything useful with the vitamins and minerals you get from the food that you had in conjunction with that meal. Typically, too, we don't make the best food choices when we have alcohol. You know, we've all seen the kebab shops open at 3 a.m., the pizza slice, the New York slice, stores open at 2 o'clock in the morning. People generally don't make good food choices, again, because they're just not present. They're not present, and typically people seek out fattier food because it lines the stomach, it feels a little bit better when you're starting to get hungover or, or drunk. So we just don't make great food choices. But more importantly, it interferes with how you metabolize food. You don't get the most out of your food when you combine it with alcohol again because the body goes, poison, get out. And then if anything remains thereafter, then it will do something with all those micronutrients, uh, macro and micronutrients. So macros meaning carbs, protein, fat, micros meaning vitamins and minerals. But it really, really interferes with how the body metabolizes to then it interferes with sleep. Now sleep, if sleep is off, if sleep is compromised, you're going to have issues with your hunger and satiety hormones, leptin and ghrelin. That's going to negatively impact your food choices. Then if you go to bed four hours later than usual, six hours later than usual, eight hours later than usual, you're going to give yourself social jet lag, which means it's going to take you four, five, six days to get back into a regular circadian rhythm of sorts. So then, of course, your leptin and ghrelin is going to be off for about four, five, six more days because you've given yourself four, five, six hours worth of social jet lag to overcome, the domino effect is quite profound, people don't realize. So by which point it's now Friday again, and you've just gotten back into a routine of sleeping, and you've just gotten back into a routine of hunger and satiety being where it should be, and you're going to go fuck it all up again by having more drinks tonight, and staying out late tonight, and eating high fat food tonight. You know, it's just not much of an approach to get you anywhere. It's definitely the hard way to go about losing weight. I'll tell you that much. Um, so just got another question. Me, I just whack the extra food and then use it as fuel for the next training session. Yeah, I don't know if I'd be doing that. Um, 
look, if, if you quote unquote fuck up your diet, just go back to how you normally eat. I would not deprive yourself. The body will even out its uh, expense. Ex, oh, what's the word? I'm having a brain fog moment. But, but your body will recalibrate essentially. The output will eventually get to a point where it matches the uh, input in terms of calories in versus calories out. And you can't, it's pretty hard to out-train a bad diet. So if you're consuming an extra 1,000 calories on a Friday night, you're not going to burn 1,000 calories in your workout. You might burn 400. Um, so it's all well and good to say, oh, yeah, it's fuel for the next session. Yeah, okay, to an extent, yeah. But again, if you're consuming an extra 1,000 calories of food, of poor food choices and alcohol intake, that's only going to take you so far. Because again, if you burn 400 calories in your workout, that's still a 600 calorie surplus. It's just better to not live in such extreme. It's just better to not, again, try and get rid of the nine to five and escape the nine to five every other week. It's better to just live in alignment with your health and fitness goals. If you want to get leaner and stronger, you can't be going out every Friday night, every Saturday night, giving yourself social jet lag, consuming thousands more calories than necessary, unless you want to take a really long time to get there. If you're like, I'll get 10 kilos off, I'll lose 10 kilos in the next four years, cool. Or I'll lose 10 kilos in the next 10 years, that's one kilo a year, that's what, 800 grams a month? Cool, that's up to you. I just think it's, we don't need to give ourselves more permission to live in extremes. You know, there's, there's enough of this. I'll just, I'll just deal with it tomorrow. I'll just add that to my next training session. That's just not you being responsible, is it? That's just you avoiding responsibility and justifying you treating your body like a trash can. And that's not very nice, especially if you want to lose weight, if, especially if you want to lose body fat. Treating your body like a trash can is the very, very, very slow way to go about it. So that's what I would say there. Um, okay, so going back to being attached to the outcome of every workout. So you, when you enjoy the journey and when you enjoy the process, it doesn't matter so much in, in the micro if it was a quote-unquote good workout or if it was a quote-unquote bad workout. Because at the end of the day, if you're in this for the long run, if you're in this because you want to create lifestyle change, then every single workout is valuable. Every single workout is going to help you be a better version of yourself today into the future, two decades from now, three decades from now, four decades from now, and beyond. And that's what the difference is when we talk about a person who is 32% body fat versus 20 or a male who's 20 versus a male who's 10 is when you're attached to the outcome of every single workout, you're inviting more judgment, you're inviting more criticism, and you're inviting more room to be an asshole towards yourself, essentially. And no one needs help doing that. And this is the biggest difference. When you're accepting that it's a journey and you're accepting it's a process, if it's not the best workout, it's not the end of the world. Because you're not only performing for today, you are, again, compounding the interest of every single workout so that the future version of you can be even stronger, even healthier, even fitter and faster, keep up with the grandchildren, um, et cetera, et cetera. So I hope that makes sense to you. And then 
relying on motivation versus having delayed gratification. So a person who's 32% body fat or a male who's 22 versus a female who's 20% body fat or a male who's 10 relies on motivation and feeling like doing something in order to do it. Whereas a person who is leaner doesn't need to be motivated because they know that in that moment, their feelings don't really matter. Now, your emotions matter. Your emotions are valid. Yes. But if you're doing this to create long-term change because you want the 80-year-old version of you to benefit from this, you want to be 120 years old and a fucking badass, then it's not so important to feel like eating clean or to feel like doing a workout. Like, boo fucking who? If you want results, you need to turn the fuck up, whether you like it or not. So a person who's lean can have feelings of, oh, I don't feel feel like it, I'm a bit tired today, it's been a stressful day, and they can still turn up. A person who's 32% body fat goes, oh, it's raining outside, I don't feel like getting wet, so I'm not going to turn up. Do you see the difference? So can you have those emotions and still turn up and still be committed? Or do you have those emotions and use it as a reason to not get somewhere with your health and fitness? That's a big difference there. Um, And tying into that, a person who is on the higher end of the body fat percentage range only has goals for the next 30 days, whereas tying back to delayed gratification, a leaner version of that person has goals decades from now. So I want to wake up at 40 and feel fucking amazing, to feel strong, to feel like a badass, to feel inconquerable, unstoppable, unfuckwithable. I want to wake up at 80 and be able to unscrew jars of peanut butter without help because if I can't unscrew a jar of peanut butter, please put me out of my misery. I want to wake up at 120 and be like, made it to 120. Yes, where is my letter from whoever the king or queen may be at the time? When you have that long-term vision, you stand the chance of getting somewhere, you stand the chance of making progress. When you only want to lose five kilos now because you can't sit in that discomfort of being overweight now, then you can only expect to see that change very temporarily. It takes time to create behavioral change. It takes a really long time. So you have to get good at sitting in discomfort and being patient and putting together those small action steps knowing that they're going to compound so that you can actually get somewhere and stay there, not just be extreme, deprive yourself drop five kilos and wake up three months later eight kilos heavier that doesn't sound like much fun and it's it's undue stress to your body too your body does well with predictability how many calories you're getting to get how much protein you're going to get when you're having carbs are you having carbs before training are you drinking four liters of water a day are you getting is your leptin and ghrelin in a good position because you're sleeping well the body can lose weight and fat a lot faster when you treat it well weirdly And when you're consistent in treating it well, who knew? So you can't be super unpredictable with your body and only being quote-unquote on plan Monday to Thursday, treating it like a temple, and then treating your body like a trash can Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and wonder why you can't lose weight. Why you can't lose weight? Why you only treat your body well four days of the week? Four days of the week is not a lot of time. Again, that's barely, barely more than half of the days in the week that you're actually treating your body well. Um, No, you're going to have to treat your body well for like 12 weeks, 16 weeks, 24 weeks, and get a routine of like just making it your norm. 
honestly, that's what it takes. So if you're not seeing results, maybe ask yourself, am I being an asshole towards myself three days of the week, four days of the week, five days of the week? Or am I giving my body what it needs Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, being maybe a little bit reckless on Sunday, but I'm bringing it back in and I'm learning to build healthier habits. I hope there were some powerful takeaways. If you enjoyed this episode, if you enjoyed this video, please leave your biggest takeaways below. If you have any questions, let me know. I am putting together the high performance game plan scorecard. So if you want a copy of the scorecard, comment access and I'll make sure that you get a copy sent straight to you. I appreciate you for watching. And if you want the link to this, because this will become a podcast, then let me know as well. And I'll make sure that you get the direct link to the full episode so that you can take notes and run through it again. So again, I appreciate you. Stay dry if you're in Singapore. And I look forward to seeing you in the next training. Guys, that's it. That's a wrap. That's all we've got time for. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Real Talk with your gal pal. That's me, Laura Rogers. Please be sure to leave us a review. Give us your feedback on what else you would like me to talk about. I always want to deliver content on things that excite you and that are going to benefit you in your health and fitness journey. So do give us a review. Before you forget, I know you're busy. i got to run off and record another episode. Do check us out on the other social media platforms listed below as well because you might just like what you see or hear there. So, you know, be sure to do that. I look forward to catching up with you in the next episode. And again, please leave us a review. Let us know your thoughts. It would mean the absolute world to me. Stay healthy and I'll see you in the next one.